Hey everyone, you're listening to an abridged version of Jimmy and Dave's mixtape podcast because we had a something that happened. What happened, Jimmy? Well, we are going to have a very brief special episode today about Now That's Rock Music Volume 8. We're going to talk about our albums of 2019, our favorite ones that is, and we're going to talk about Contra, maybe. Yes, real quick, because we've quick. already done this. Here we go. It wasn't. I don't think they really missed it that much. We're just going to keep talking over our beautiful music by Ian Alio. Uh, so this is the second shot of doing it, and we've just been talking for an, over an hour, and then for some reason we think we lost everything. So regardless, you might hear an awkward cut where this comes in now. And we, I just go, and now we wrap it up. No, so let's pretend we're, we're wrapping it up. Well, I think that's great. I think Contra's a great album, and it was good. All right, good night. Bye, everyone. Yep, Contra is terrific. And in case we don't, here we go. So let's go talk about our albums. So starting off, you know, I don't think we're ready for this jelly, even though the second time we've been ready for this jelly. We start with Bootylicious by Destiny's Child. Sounds like it should be an intro to just one, uh, an intro to a song, not a whole song in itself. Max. Yes. Yes. Basically, we're going to jump up the first four songs real quick here. Destiny's Child, In Sync, I'm Real. This whole album has everything is starting to become rinse and repeat with using samples of other music and going through it. I think this song is a spoof about In Sync, and they know they're making fun of themselves for how crazy poppy they are. And let me tell you, in this song and is might also be showing their guns. They are being hip-hop artists. Might also sport. be an odd to the king of pop, Michael Jackson. Because we, we have his great beatbox. <laughs> Then we go to Jennifer Lopez, I'm Real. Who cares? This song was not a real big hit. Then we have a lot of bunch of stuff. We'll not be on at the Super Bowl. Yes. Basically, let's just talk about overall the big concepts of this album as we are just right now recording a terrible podcast at this point. Slow uh, it down. Yes, let's slow it down here. There is a lot of stuff that is just rinse and repeat, as we said before. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of taking the same people. We've had Backstreet Boys, Jessica Simpson, J-Lo, Mandy Moore. They're all on here. And then there's this, this random artist that come on that we, whatever. We move on through it. It's a bunch of straight up pop songs that we maybe heard of. Aaliyah's last song, which I don't think anyone remembers, but this was the last song that she recorded. She passed. We get to a bunch of the same type of music. It, it's it's definitely, I think, the element where we get to. A lot of samples. Like samples. This. Yes, which we learned is what? America's. America. And Eric Satie's Gemnopedes number one. I think this Jan Jackson song stands out on the album. Yes, it's a good one. Yeah. Really, I think the whole first half of the album is really rough. We get to our last Backstreet Boys song that we'll have for a while that is just completely forgettable. I don't think anyone remembers unless you're a Backstreet Boys number one fan. I think Clint Eastwood's it's a highlight. Is the highlight. Is the first is the first one you're like, oh yeah, I actually think this song's great and I don't even know why it deserves, because this is almost like too good yes. for this album. Then we get to the wise guys, which is just Fat Boy Slim's horrible child. Yes. It's terrible. Bad. Bad. We have Smash Mouth. Jimmy thinks they get a bad rap. I said anyone would be silly not to, to take this gig and right, do a cover of I'm In Love. I can't say I would not take this gig in a second to take that money. Thank you very much. Then we get to Fat Lip. Some 41 on now. That's what it's called 8. 
fine. It's good for what it is. Good for its pop, pop punk. The Rock Show. Also, it's it's fine pop punk. Not great, but it is something I call music. It's better than Enema of the State. Yes. Then we had kind of your 1057X through Fuel and Three Doors Down. Just, they are what they are. Then we have Walk On, which, interesting enough, we did say in our lost recording, most likely, that this was a... We talked about, by the way, in our lost recording, this took 30 minutes of the episode. <laughs> so, obviously, I don't know if maybe that's a good thing we're kind of breezing by it at this point. But I thought after, this was a, in the end, I, I kind of don't like the newer U2 songs, but I thought this was a stronger song for them. It was just especially also meaningful at the time. This was post 9 11 yes. Society. At the Super Bowl, they, they really did a good job, I think, of kind of helping the healing in some ways. We said you 2 and Bono are great at just giving you a song that can just get you through the day. And keep, they do show the that these young cats, why they still got it and they don't. So, again, apologies for if this is, ends up being our main episode. Stick with us, folks. If you're still listening to our podcast at the point, I guess you kind of are maybe not shocked by this <laughs> element to our professionalism. So... Moving on to our albums of the years, we had... This is Kim Gordon's uh, No Home re- re- Record. Record. No record. Home Record. Record. Um, my, one of my top fives. Um, it's a trip-hop album? Yeah. We just said it's, you know, it's more, it's, you know, it is what Kim Gordon does. Very artsy-fartsy. She does what she wants to do. And if you like it, great. If not... It's not for you. And I will say, I I have not have not always been the biggest Kim Gordon fan. I do appreciate that we still have her around. I'm happy we got her. And I think, you know, she hasn't made an album in a long time. This is great that she did something on her own. She kept elements of the Sonic Youth, but she also did something I think that was new. And she expanded her horizons. Next is your... Uh, Center Won't Hold by Sleater Kinney, which was just a great rock and roll album that sounded like the classic Sleater Kinney. I feel like they can do whatever they want to do. Yes. And I think it's well-deserved. That's all. We can... Cool. Then we go on to the National. And we... For Jimmy's album, Mm -hmm. The National, which is also on my list. Next two albums are on both of our lists. I think we just have them mixed up. Yeah. National's my two. Yeah, I didn't really do them in a specific order, I don't think. There's like five albums. Five faves. The album holds up to me. Uh, It was an album we listened to a lot in early May, and then when I went back for this episode, I really enjoyed it. It stands out to me more. Uh, There's songs that have gotten better, I think, with age, and I think this album will stick with me. What do you think? Yeah. yeah. Good. It goes in the national national forever. forever it fits trunk. the national. As I, I said in the probably lost recordings now, the national for me are at the Wilco stage where they can do whatever they want. They have their fan base, and I don't think they really need to worry about what they're going to do. They're going to have their fans. All right. Next is up. Sound and Sound and Fury by Sturgill Simpson. Yes. Which we said, I don't know if you think, I think it's probably the most front-to-back solid album. I, I agree. Like it's, it's the most solid album, yeah. I think, of the year. It's more like a concept album where everything goes together. It all works. Next, great rock and roll music. 
I agree. Rock and roll, uh, music. It's great. Uh, we talked a lot about this in the previous episode. I think Sturgill did something great where he took his country feel, and he's not afraid to do what he wants. And good for him. And maybe he will be our be great. And then your uh, album here. One of them. One of them. Uh, Todd Snyder's ca- Cash Cabin Sessions, mm-hmm. um, which I just liked. It, you know, it's cool. He wrote most of it, I think, in Johnny Cash's Cabin. And well, come gather around and I'll sing you a song. Yeah, good. Classic Todd. Some stuff is funny. Day, some stuff is made the decision pretty to turn political. On. Sad, political. All of it. He runs the gamut. You don't ever yeah. Have to run. Good. And so, for me, my fifth album was an album I said earlier was that nobody may hear, is that this was Wilco's Ode to Joy, an album that it came out when it came out. I kind of skipped by it. I was at a busy time. I didn't really give it, I think, the credit it deserves. And now I went and revisited in December, and now it's in my top five. I think it is... It gives you the elements of Wilco you know and love, but it also is Wilco at a point where they, like I said with the National, they can do whatever they want. They can come out with what they want, and it's going to work. And I think this album is a kind of working up what was Schmelko and Star Wars, and it finally got to what I think they were trying to achieve with this album. Uh, moving on, it was... The album we're talking about real quick after this, uh, by the band Vampire Weekend, it's Father of the Bride. We're going to talk about Contra After, Something's where this was an album that I was surprised how much I enjoyed this album. I was somewhat excited for it, but as as a whole, I think the album is really good. It got me into Vampire Weekend more than I was, and it made me go back and listen to the second and third albums. I was one of those people, I got really into that first album, and this one kind of made me, and then I kind of fell out a little bit. I liked some songs of them, I respected them, but this made me really give them a fair chance and go back and revisit them, and so... I really liked this album. It was my fourth. Then, as we said before, uh, Sturgill would be my three. I had The National, which we, we talked about before extensively. And then, finally, my album of the year is Lana Del Rey's Norman Freaking Rockwell. Uh, I think this was an album where she expanded herself as an artist. I think she showed she has a lot of potential and i think once again she just made out an album that i think will stand the test of time i think it'll it'll always it'll just be in the pantheon of great albums um so anything you want to say about any of those no all good choices like i said i think i missed a little bit of lana i might give her a better chance i think she deserves a re-listen but all good choices right and then, finally, we wrapped up our synopsis of the album that's probably lost in space with Contra's Vampire Weekend. The, re- the reason why we talked about this is this is the 10th anniversary of the album. And like I said, I listening back to this album, I thought it had a lot of connections to Father the Bride. Um, I could hear a lot of the, I feel like a lot of the, what they were going for in this album, you could hear it in Father the Bride. And... I uh, I think one thing Vampire Weekend does really well is just, like I said, they made an album that you can't get bored with. Yeah. It's 38 minutes. I think all the songs are enjoyable. 
and but they move it goes through the album so quickly by the time like you maybe would start to go okay how much it's pretty much over much like the remake of this episode yes <laughs> basically this is probably the episode everyone always wanted us to make uh... but we never have given it to them so maybe we just need to do every episode where we just record an hour and then lose it all and then get mad at ourselves or myself I get mad at it and then just move on uh so I think we finally have our worst episode maybe maybe it'll be the best this might be our best let us know what you think who knows um starting off 2020 the right way yep short and sweet yeah this I don't know my thoughts on this album is it's fine I like it it's it's like you said it's easy to easy to handle I think it's accessible to everybody you can play it and I think no one will stick their nose up at it Yes, I do think, I do think there's probably, there's probably like a, you have to think there's a group of people that are just cannot stand Vampire Weekend. And like, they're like afraid of what's going to say if you do it. I don't know. Because I, 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 like, there was times where I'm like, these guys got to get over themselves. But like I said, over time, I'm trying to appreciate it. But I think... One thing I think you got to give them credit to do is that out of four albums now, they've really made consistent solid albums. They're fun. They're fun songs, fun albums. Yes, I agree. And that's gonna do it. Hopefully, there's another episode to go with this episode. This if may not... be on the end of another episode, and you're like, "Wow, this is an hour and a half podcast," or you're going, "This is the shortest episode <laughs> in the last time I'm going to listen to this podcast." Or Who knows? They should do it more often. Let Who us knows? know what you think. Let us know what you thought of this speed round. All right, folks, what a nightmare this was. Hope your 2020 goes off better than what this episode was. We set the bar low. We'll get better from here. It See. gets better. Bye. Bye.